We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to Field of 68's After Dark Night 2. And uh, night one was pretty damn good. I don't know if we can top it, guys, but... Uh, night one had Rob Doster, which listen, that's that that's nothing great, I know. But we had Sean and Archie Miller and John Fana, and they absolutely crushed it last night. Uh, Doster was, you know, in in New York uh, at Madison Square Garden, and uh, we'll we'll talk plenty here about the Champions Classic as well. But uh, let's welcome in, and uh, we got to start with the uh, the All American Randolph Childress former Wake Forest star, former college coach. And uh, we, we love having him on board with the Field of 68. Randolph, appreciate you joining us tonight. Oh, man, glad to be here. And uh, we got a rising star in Sean Paul. I don't even know how to describe you, Sean. Um, but, but what I will say is this man knows everything about everything. Like back when we were young, Randolph, I think we kind of knew everything about everything. And now we're a little bit older. We forget some stuff. John knows everything, and uh, he, he is a superstar. Um, he will be uh, a household name soon. So, uh, Sean, thanks for joining us from uh, from Reno, and uh, we're, we're going to talk some ball. We're going to get right after it, and uh, I am wearing this hat for a reason because the Michigan Wolverines, the young group of Michigan Wolverines, other yeah. than a couple guys, namely Hunter Dickinson and Eli Brooks, um, they look pretty good tonight. You know, listen, they, they it looked like they were going to pull away and smack Buffalo, and Buffalo is really good. Probably going to win the MAC this year. And then all of a sudden, they kind of took their foot off the gas, and Buffalo got hot too. Uh, the Bulls got hot and came back. But uh, let, let's start, Randolph, with your initial impressions of maybe the new Hunter Dickinson because he looks a little bit more mobile. Right. Know, he wasn't, listen, there was a chance he was going to go to the NBA last year, but let's face it, he, he knew he wasn't going to be drafted in, in the first round. He was probably not going to be drafted in the 30s or maybe even the 40s. So he made the right decision to come back. What did you think of him tonight? I thought he was great. I mean, he finished up with 27 and 7. Uh, you know, everyone's playing him for that, that lefty jump hook, and then now yeah. he's spinning back to his right, finishing. I think the most underrated skill set he has is ability to pass. I mean, now he's punishing double teams. You you bring help. He's kicking it open to three-point shooters. He's finding cutters. So he's going to be tough to defend all year with his ability to pass the ball. And he can step out and make some you know perimeter shots as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a guy, too, that, that's moving a little bit better, right? right? I mean, you could tell his body, his conditioning. You know, last year as a freshman, he was kind of thrust into it, and, and I feel like a lot of those freshmen, he didn't have that summer to work in his body. Right. He didn't have that summer to work with Juwan Howard. So that that's what, to me, blew me away, was a freshman big like that. And, and we know generally those bigs come along a little bit slower. Well, you know what? Hunter did not come along slower last year. He was terrific. So I can't wait to see the next jump uh, for him from his freshman to sophomore year. But listen, the thing that I was intrigued about the most, Sean, all these freshmen, you know, Juwan Howard's put together an incredible class. Uh, Caleb Houston leading the way, but I think it's four top 50 guys. And, you know, to me, they didn't really disappoint tonight. They weren't dominant, but you kind of saw it in glimpses with each one of them. They kind of had their moments, and uh, especially Caleb Houston. But uh, what do you think of the young the, the youngins uh, in Ann Arbor? Yeah, Caleb Houston hit the dagger there at the three pointer to put him back up fourteen. That was just the final nail in the coffin, and that's the kind of guy he is. He's probably not going to average fifteen a game. He's going to be an eleven or twelve point per game guy, but he can defend. He's versatile on the defensive end, and he's going to hit threes. He, that's what he does. He's going to be a really good piece, especially on the perimeter. But the biggest one for me, he's a sophomore, but Terrence Williams was awesome yeah. today. He had fifteen point seven rebounds, hit two threes. And like last year, he was even really bad from the free throw line. He really, you could tell he improved his game, his shooting, his free throw shooting, and that three-point shooting. When he took those threes, I'm like, I don't know if that's a good shot. But he was making them, and it looked good coming out of the hand. If he's going to play like that, he's going to wind up being a really valuable piece for this Michigan team because you're kind of thinking at the four, it's going to be Brandon Johns, Musa Diabite occasionally. He's going to take some time to really get going, though. But if that's Terrence Williams, if he's going to play like that every night, you have to give him minutes. Yeah. Well, he made a huge play on the offensive end, uh, made a three, but on the defensive end, I thought was Slow the play of Williams. the game. Yeah, the play of the game down the stretch. When, I mean, listen, Buffalo put some heat on him. Uh, they did, and for a moment there, it looked like, all right, if they could get it down to a one-possession game and put some real game pressure on him. Randolph, you've been on it as a right. player, as a coach. You know, it, when, when you're in that type of situation, does it take – because Michigan had control. Nobody really thought the game was completely in doubt. Does it take you getting them to where is it's a one possession game and and then maybe it starts to get in the head of, of a lot of these young guys and even, you know, transfer Devontae Jones. You know, he's never played in a game like that. He's played at Coastal Carolina. Everybody's adjusting. Think about Hunter and those guys last year because we didn't have fans. Right. So right. everything was different. These young guys are riding off emotions. You know, so I think that, you know, everyone picked their moments. They came together. They all had their moments. I thought, the, you know, one thing that was indicative about Terrence tonight, he stepped up and guarded. He, he tried to take the assignment when he needed it. And he's going to – he's physical enough that he's going to be able to play if they need to go small ball. And for him to play the four, he can, he'll do that for them. Like, I think as well as anyone on their roster, stretch the floor out. They even switched five tonight at times. Now, I'm not saying it was successful, but Hunter right, switched right. out and guarded the ball, and I thought that was impressive that they even felt comfortable doing it. Probably not. You know, it was a testament to them. Yeah, right. I, listen, it, it's funny. So um, in, in full disclosure, and people probably know this, but I hammered the hire of, of Juwan Howard. I said they should have hired Ed Cooley from Providence. Right, right. Just because of, again, the track record of all these NBA guys that have you know, hundred million in their bank account. I just feel like they're not, they're not coaching for their lives. They're, they're coaching because yeah, it's their alma mater. Why not? I'm going to do it. They asked me to do it. And 
I don't want to be on the phone all day, all night. You know the grind, Randolph. You know that grind. I, I, I will say this, though. It's different when it is your alma mater because there's a level of pride that comes yep. with it. You know, and you go back to those years, you know, that time when Jawan was there, that was the, like as good as years that they had at Michigan. So there's a lot of pride there. And you, you can tell the support the community rallied around him. And he's gotten it rolling quickly. He has, he has killed it. I actually apologized to him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I did. I mean, I, I, I just flat out said, hey, man, my bad. I put you in a box with all those other dudes. And, you know, I didn't do my due diligence. And, and I have since and called Eric Spolstra and, 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 and talked to Udonis Haslam, um, you know, and found out that, hey, you know what? This dude's not your ordinary guy. You know, he, he's been in every kind of situation, right? I mean, he's been a star. He's been a piece. He's been a, you know, an OG. He, he's, he's been assistant coach. He's grinded it out. The one thing that I just felt like I didn't know if he would want to do is spend every waking moment on the phone. But but I'm not sure you need to with Michigan. He inherited a good team. He put together a good staff. And he's got one hell of a brand at Michigan. Right. Makes it easier, doesn't it? And I also think you're talking about coming from that Pat Riley tree. And you know how Pat Riley runs a tight ship in Miami. I mean, it's, it's, it's everyone's doing their job down there. So there's, you know, coming from that's one organization, but you were right. You know, in defending you, a lot of the NBA guys come down and they just, they just don't cut it. The grind that it takes, they're like, they're not used to it. They're used to having that, you know, going in the morning, maybe two or three o'clock, taking their kids to school, coming home. And that's not the life of a college, a college coach at all. That's why I'm I'm really interested to see how Mike Woodson does in Indiana. Right. You know, he inherited enough. Right. Trace Jackson Davis. There's enough talent there to be good and make the tournament this year. But if you don't, you lose some momentum. And then right. are you working hard enough? Are you grinding hard enough? Again, I like his staff. So I think that that gives him a chance. All right. Um, you, you mentioned the fans right. being back. And, and I was in Champions Classic last night in New York. And I'll tell you what. It felt normal, guys. Like, it really felt, from a media perspective, you know, fans packed, you know, full house, obviously, K against Cal, Duke, Kentucky. The, the you know, the undercard wasn't packed, but it was still, obviously, a good crowd, Michigan State, Kansas. And then, for our, from my vantage point, you know, a lot of it is, a year ago, I'm at Mohegan Sun for four days. And I'm one of three media people that was allowed. And I had to quarantine when I first got there. I couldn't obviously go play blackjack, which was really hard for me not to do. Um, And then when I'm interviewing coaches, you know, it's with a mask on and we're trying to stay a few feet away. You know, Tony Bennett's there. We might not have been a full six, but we're a few feet away. And last night, it was like nobody was really, I don't know how many, what percentage of fans in New York were wearing masks, but not a whole lot in the garden. And we were able to, you know, talk to players, you know, talking to Bill Self after his kind of press conference. So it just, it felt normal. It felt really good. And it felt good to me that the kids had had an experience like this after last year where the garden and the fans and the NBA guys on the sideline, it will be top and, you know, high five and uh, Kentucky players and, you know, us being able, you know, them being able to talk to us, you know, NBA players don't want to talk to us, but like college guys actually do. I think most of them actually enjoy it. Um, 
at least, you know, I don't know how much longer it's going to last with NIL. They're probably going to start asking us for money for interviews at some point. And and I dread that day. I hope I'm out of the business by that day. Um, But all right, let's get to the most impressive thing that we saw last night at the Champions Classic was what, Sean? I think you got to say the Duke freshman. I think that's the answer everybody would give. But I mean, I don't. I everyone knew that Paolo would be awesome, but man, he is just so good. He he could hit pull up jumpers. He can drive you back to the basket. He can defend. He does everything you'd want. We don't see guys that are built like 6'10", 250 do the kind of things he can do every day. I mean, Tyler Hansbrough was like 6'8", 240. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. <laughs> no. He was awesome, no. but he wasn't doing he that. Was, hey, he was doing this. <laughs> that's all he was doing. Yeah. That's not. He wasn't making pull-up jumpers from 17 feet. And then Trevor Keels, I mean, he kind of stole the show too. I don't think anybody expected him to drop 25 points like that. He can hit a jumper, and he's really quick getting to the basket. He's strong. Uh, when he was matched up with Severe Wheeler, that's such a big mismatch because Keels is a big dude and Wheeler's pretty small. So when those two got matched up on each other, that's a big-time mismatch for Kentucky. Randolph, who anybody – I mean, I assume you're probably going to duplicate uh, what Sean said there. I won't. I'll, I'll go somewhere else with, with my answer, but what do you got? I'm going to go with Oscar Shelby. 17 and 19, how do you go? 12 offensive rebounds. That's hard to do. <laughs> a, a team doesn't get 12 offensive rebounds, right? He got 12 offensive rebounds on that. And then to piggyback off of Duke, I thought Wendell Moore was 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 great. I yeah. thought he was an unsung hero for them. I mean, the two freshmen scored. They scored at a high clip, and they were unreal. But I thought Wendell Moore gives he, – he stables them. I think he, he he defends at a high level. He is a ball handler, decision maker. You know, he crashes the glass. He does it all. I think he's the, the key and the glue to that team. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, Oscar Shibwe, who, who – what. He is a physical force, but honestly, he didn't look that big out there because Duke is so big with Mark Williams and Paolo up front that you're looking at Oscar and usually he's a man child and and it didn't look that, that way, although he was so active and and that's what he does. My biggest issue with Kentucky is, and it's funny, somebody said it before the blue white game. I was down in Lexington, Kentucky a few weeks ago. And they said it beforehand at the media day about, you know, who they have backing them up. And I was like, really? And then you see it now and you're like, Damian Collins played two minutes. He's 6'9", 200 pounds. He could, he could not have played in that game. No. So who else do you have if, if Shibwe needs a breather, gets hurt, God forbid, gets in foul trouble, who do you have against big physical teams? Now, again, Damian Collins might be fine against Georgia. But but against good teams, you know, that, that's going to be really, really difficult. They don't have a lot of depth. Um, they don't have much behind them. So I, I think, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch. I'm going to uh, – listen, I'll go a different route. I would go Trevor Keels in a heartbeat because I didn't even know much about this kid. And, really? and he was he was like Mitch Richmond out there. Mm. Like that's what he looked like out there physically. Now, he actually had more feel. And Randolph, you know – Mitch Rich, uh, Mitch Richmond very yeah. well in his game, right? Mitch was just a power. He was like, to me, from our era, he was like the the definition, the poster boy for like a power guard. He just oh. had that big, strong body. But what Keels had, I thought, was a little bit more feel for the game than I thought. When I looked at him, I was like, all right, he's just going to play bully ball. But I actually thought he made some really good plays 
with the ball in his hands, not for himself, not just bullying his way to the basket and finishing through contact, but but honestly for his teammates. Like I thought he could play some like combo guard. He's not a point, but he can make plays for others. Were you thinking that way too, Randall? I've been recruit. I might have been one of his early high major offers really? recruiting him in high school. You know, he and wow. Jer- uh, Jeremy Roach were you know were high school teammates. Yeah, so That's right. they played with the ball and without the ball. So it was one, you know, just like it is now. He could take it, bring it up. I, he was, he's always been that good. It's just a matter of, I was impressed with what he's done with his body. Yep. He's yep. kind of changed his body a little bit. I was worried he'd have to slide down position. I was worried, could he defend on the perimeter? I thought he slimmed down and he toned up his body a little bit. And, and man, <laughs> he, he slimmed down? Out. Yeah, no, he toned he's, his body up. Really? He, he just didn't have yeah. any definition. Now he looks like he has some muscle to him. Really? You can tell he's hit the weight room, and I he's going to be a tough out because what he didn't do yesterday that he can really do is shoot it. Yeah. He he can really shoot it. So if really? he shoots it the way he wow. can, yeah, he can really shoot it. He can really shoot it. So if he's hitting jump shots with that body and physicality to get into the cup, I mean, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, they're, they're a problem. All right, I'll, I'll give you mine quickly. And then we've got our first guest of the night coming up here in a second. But uh, Ochai Baji was mine. Uh, because, again, Ochai has been such a one-dimensional player. And Bill Self has always said, like, I want more from him. I want him to be a, an assassin. I want him to be a killer. And, and he's a great shooter and a great spot-up guy, but he could never put the ball on the floor. Right. Man, he put the ball on the floor a couple times and exploded with confidence. So I think if he can be that, he's not going to get 29 every night. We know that. But he's a really good defender, and to me, if he can have that kind of well-rounded, versatile game in terms of guys closing out on him and he can go by him, put him on the floor, to me, then you've got your star at Kansas. Right. Then you've got your number one guy, and right. you can work around that because they've got enough other good players, but I've always felt like they didn't have that star. So I was really happy, and you're not going to find a better kid than Ochai. Like, he is wow. – Salt of the earth. He's that nice a kid, probably too nice in some respects. So I listen to me that that's a guy that you got to watch because there are some one-offs at the champions classic. We've seen him and we've seen him from Kansas. Now, again, I'm not saying he's Quentin Grimes because Quentin, you know, that was the first game of his freshman year. Ocha has still been very, very productive throughout his career, but I just want to see if he plays at that level from a, more of a confidence standpoint than anything else, thinking he's the best player on the floor. Because I don't think he's ever really felt that way. Or if he has, I don't think he's played that way. And last night, I, I thought he played that way. And that that's a difference maker uh, for Kansas. All right, uh, Dagan, we got our first guest ready to go. Well, let's, let's see if we can bring him on here. Uh, first guest of the night after dark, first guest of the year. How about that? is none other uh, than Alabama's uh, Keon Ellis, who had a huge game last night. Keon, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Congrats on the win. That, listen, I don't think anybody expected you guys to blow out Louisiana Tech. That's a good team. That's a team that could be a tournament team, probably wins or, or contends with UAB uh, for Conference USA title. And uh, you guys had your way with them. So uh, congrats, first of all, on starting off the year well. And uh, I know, first of all, a lot of people confuse you with another Alabama guy, an Alabama grad. Is, is, is that true? Like you and Kyra Lewis, 
Do you get you get confused quite a bit there or no? Oh, all the time. Uh, like I'll be at football games, and I know one time, the most recent time, like we was leaving the game, walking out, and somebody just walked past me and was like, "Oh, what's up, Kyra?" <laughs> no, like, what do you like, say? Did, did you like, correct I, him? Yeah, I was like, I'm not Kyra. He was like, Oh yeah, my fault. Uh, uh, Ellis, Keon Ellis. I was like, Yeah. But what you got to start doing? Just signing up, get get money, sign autographs, and be like, Yeah, I'm in the NBA now. Like, ten bucks. <laughs> Ten bucks. See if you can make some money off that. I mean, you know, at least take advantage uh, while you can. Uh, Well, listen, like I said, congrats on the win. Um, How different is it this year for you and your role as a leader? You're like the old dude on this team now with everybody gone. What's it been like for you from a a leadership standpoint so far? Um, Really? Just... uh just remembering what uh, the leaders that we had last year did for us. Like, you know, just my biggest thing is just going out and leading by example. Uh, I think that's what one big thing I learned from her, like, you know, just going out there playing with him, like seeing how hard he played just by his effort and whatnot, that just made me want to play hard. So I try to do the same thing, you know, go out there and not, you know, give any less effort than hundred percent. So that way my teammates feel like, well, if he ain't going hard, then, I'm not going to go hard either. So um, really <clears throat> that and I, I mean, you know, like last year I didn't have a leader role. So um, this year, just just making sure everybody's prepared, you know, me and also the other leaders on the team, um, just making sure, you know, we bring it every night. Don't get complacent and whatnot. Is Keon, is there anything Randolph Childers here? Is there anything you're doing differently? The beginning of the year last year, you weren't a starter, right? They right. insert you in the lineup. You guys take off. All right. I heard you say before you you try things different. Your leadership is there. Tell us more about what you're doing as a leader to help this team take the next step. Because you guys lost some dudes now. You lost a lot of dudes. You lost Herb. You know, even Primo was a freshman, and he's gone on to the NBA. Tell us more specifically about your role and what you're doing to kind of lead this group. Um, my role, um, really, since I know just about everything that we're doing, uh, being a returner just making sure like the new guys like you know this is like if, even if, they're, if it's their first year in the program um like just helping with assignments like defensive stuff like um certain way to guard stuff like if you have to guard a shooter coming off of a screen like tell them the certain position you got to get in you know to make sure you don't get screened um keeping guys heads up you know like if shots not falling like you know just just keep shooting them because we eventually gonna have to make them so don't get down on yourself you know if you see two miss or something like that, and uh, really just encouraging. I mean, because I, I play with a lot of confidence myself, so I wouldn't want someone else to go out there and not play with the utmost confidence. Yeah, Keon, Sean, Paul here. My question for you is, Kenneth Lofton Jr. gets a lot of respect, as he should. He was big in the FIBA U19, and you guys shut him down for the most part. Charles Bediaco got in some foul trouble, but <laughs> what was the game plan coming in to slow down Louisiana Tech's best player? Um, really when he, because we knew like what kind of player he was, like once he gets it down low, like deep, a deep seal catch, um, he's, he's going to score more time than not. So really, um, just whenever he caught the ball, uh, not wasting any time, like let him get comfortable as soon as he, as soon as he puts on the floor, we're, we're coming for him. So just try to get it out of, out of his hands and, you know, make the other guys make plays for him, knowing that that's like what they really want to do. So yeah. when you were coming, you were coming out of high school in, in Florida, Eustis, Eustis, Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Eustis. Okay. All right. So 
you're coming out and give me the 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 story of how you got you you went the JUCO route. You I played did. two years for in the Jukes and give me kind of your recruitment coming out of high school and and why you ended up going that route. Yeah, um, I went to Eustis High School uh, for my first two years, freshman, sophomore, and then I transferred to Leesburg High School, the next city over. Um, but, uh, it was my mom's decision, though. She made the decision. I didn't want to leave, but, you know, it was her. <laughs> she said I wasn't going back, so um, kind of was out of my hands. So, you know, we went there, ended up winning two state championships back-to-back. So I think that kind of helped me get a little uh, recognition and then I stopped playing with team mom for my last year in AAU and he helped me get like division one looks and uh you know as time went on with that I I think it was more it wasn't a great thing at least like because when I was at Eustis I uh my grades weren't I think I wasn't qualifying at first but then when I got to Leesburg like I was taking like online classes to retake uh, those classes to get higher grades end up qualifying but at that point, I just felt like I was settling because, I mean, like a lot of schools that stopped talking to me and whatnot. But Gardner-Webb had – they were still talking to me, knowing, like, the situation and was saying, um, if you, you know, if you get qualified, like, we'll still take you. So um, – and, I mean, I, I committed. I, I was going to be happy going there, um, knowing that they didn't give up on me. But after a while, I just felt like I'm settling. And, um, I mean, I can get better options. So I just decided to go JUCO, and I knew – I mean, I was never pressed, like, when I got there to be like, okay, now I got to I gotta go crazy. I got to get looks and looks and whatnot. So um, just just knowing that my time was going to come, even in my sophomore year, like, as as I got there, I was just, you know, just staying the course and whatnot, not trying to, I don't know, trying to force anything. And, I mean, it just, it just all happened to work out. Yeah, pretty well. You know, the more of that story is you should always listen to your mom. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Keon, how have you guys made the adjustment, right? I mean, if from a standpoint of you guys have, you know, you're the defending regular season champion. You're the defending conference champion, tournament champion, right? Now you guys are hunted. All right. How do you, what's the message from the coaching staff and how are you to help delivering that message to your staff? What's the message coming from the staff? Um, I think this uh, the same message that's coming from the players as well. Uh, just, you know, like knowing like this, not last year, like, and we all know that last year, everybody's probably feeling like, you know, like we got a cheap one on them. Like everyone wasn't at their best and whatnot. So they're all coming out and we're, I know people are expecting us to, some people are expecting us, you know, do the same thing. Some of us are, some people are expecting us to, you know, drop back down, but I mean, we know like teams are coming for us. So really just, I mean, like I said, can't get complacent, got to stay hungry. And that was one of our uh, our team values uh, when we had a retreat over the summer. That was one of them, just staying hungry, knowing that, like, once we get into a tournament, not tournament play, SEC play, like, every game, team, we're going to get every team's best from what we did last year. So we just got to bring it every night. Yeah, Keon, uh, one more for me. So at Florida Southwestern, you would have played with Barrick Jean-Louis, right, at, at Iona. So you guys played Iona in the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah. Was there a little trash talk between you guys going into that game? Nah, not going into the game. He just uh, – I, I mean, cause we don't really talk too much trash, but, I mean, it was more of a cool thing. Like, just I, – I told him we was going to win, and he was just like – because we were talking in the group chat with the, uh, our FSW group chat, 
And it was like, yeah, Alabama going to kill y'all. And then <laughs> he was just like, I don't know. But I mean, I mean, they made it a good game, though. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing them again this year, too, though. So we'll, we'll see about that. That's right. Yeah. So, Keon, tell me why this team can be as good, if not better or more successful than last year's team. I mean, most people are thinking, man, they lose Herb, they lose Petty, they lose Primo. Like you said, they're going to take a step back. They're going to have to. But listen, by the looks of things on opening night, maybe that's not the case. I mean, maybe you guys can can repeat uh, and go even further in the NCAA tournament. But why? What what's what's going to be the key for that? Um, I think just everyone just has to, you know, take that next step in their game. Like just just step up to the plate. Like, I mean, those guys did what they had to do and, you know, they're on the better places. So now. I mean, like, for example, me, um, like last year, I mean, I was playing like more of a support role. I didn't have to do anything crazy night in, night out. But I mean, now that, you know, you know, John Petty's gone, Primo's gone. Now I'm, I'm having to step up. So I think just needing that from all of our players, like knowing that we're going to need more from everybody. Yeah, they always say, too, for I'm sure you've heard this for Juco guys kind of takes a year takes mm-hmm. a full year before you're completely adjusted and you feel you might've thought you were adjusted last year, right. but it feel that's what you hear all the time. It takes a year for a kid coming from junior college to kind of get fully adjusted to playing, especially high major uh, SEC basketball. Do you feel that way a little bit now? Um, I, I definitely feel all the way adjusted. Now I know at least um, I, I can't put like a date on it or anything from last year, but I know like when we got to, SEC play, uh, SEC play, SEC tournament last year for sure. I was definitely adjusted. Like nothing was, you know, catching me off guard or moment was too big for me. So, I mean, but I definitely see what you're saying, though. I mean, I I, I thought I was at the beginning of last year, and I, I got a wake up call. But I mean, like you said, though, it just takes time. Hey, des- describe your uh, freshman teammate J.D. Davison's athleticism. I've never seen anything like it before I mean he'll he'll be complaining like oh my legs hurt my back hurt whatever whatever and then you see him come down the lane and try to dunk on whoever's down there so he can just turn it on like that like I've his bounce is crazy I've never seen anything like it yeah he's like sports center top 10 like every single game if he wants to be I mean it is absolutely insane all right Keon Ellis listen we appreciate you joining us uh, hopefully we'll we'll have you back on uh, later this year because what what I didn't ask you and what I do want is some good NATO uh, dirt in terms of some good stories. So um, we'll we'll get to that in round two when we bring you back on. But uh, thanks for coming on. Good luck this season, and we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Uh, Alabama's Keon Ellis, uh, terrific player, uh, breakout guy. Already started strong last night. I think he finished with 18 and nine and and a huge win and a blowout win over a really good Louisiana tech team. All right. So let's get back to champions for a little bit longer. Um, We didn't talk enough about Paulo. Like, come on, we, we could devote an hour to this dude. That's how good he is. That's how impressive he is. And, And again, you're talking about the first game of his career living up to the hype. And there was a lot of hype, you know, between him and Chet, you know, Chad Holmgren out there on the West Coast of Gonzaga, who had a huge game last night against uh, Dixie, right? Wasn't Dixie State? Dixie State. Dixie State. Dixie State. 
Yeah, so, not quite Kentucky, but you know. That's right. Exactly. We'll temper those numbers. But I will be out there uh, on Saturday night to see Chet play somebody good uh, in, in the Texas Longhorns. So that's going to be a great game. But all right. So, Randolph, give me a breakdown, Apollo, because I can't say enough good things about this dude. I say Chris Weber. I've said Chris Weber for a few years. He's even bigger than Chris Weber was at the same stage. But I think that's the one that I just, and I've told Paulo that. And, uh, and I don't think you really, you know, these kids, they don't, they don't know Chris Weber. He has no I mean, idea how good Chris Weber was. Exactly. Yeah, I've he's never like, seen him no play. Idea. I've never he's, seen him yeah, play yeah, live. So. Yeah. He should just know he's a Hall of Famer. That, yeah. that would be the only thing he needs to know about. That's him. right. I, I would agree with that, but just say he shoots it better. Yes. Yes. Like, he, he shoots it better. And, and, being in this league and watching that position with Duke and watching Ingram, watching Winslow, I mean, watching Bagley. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's the top of the list I and mean, he's right there. He's the I best mean. that Kay has had in a decade. Like, yeah. you know, Grand Hill, healthy Grand Hill people forget how smooth he was, what he could do. I mean, he could have been one of the greatest ever if the injuries right. didn't derail his career. But I, listen, I don't want to put that on Paulo, but I might put that on Paulo. He's, I, I think his upside is that high, and his production is going to match his potential in, in college. They're not saying that, but I think they've yeah. – you hear the grumblings around Duke that they, they feel that, that he's that special. Like yeah. he's coming in with that Zion reputation – and he's every bit as good, if not better, in some aspects than Zion. So they they don't want to put the pressure on him, like you said, but they know he's special. They know he's there's not many uh coming through that door that's been that's been as talented as this young man is. And he's got some shit to him. Like that's yeah. the one thing too, is I remember seeing him at a game, um a high school game in Seattle. I'd seen him play AU a few times, but then I saw him at a high school game two years ago, almost two years ago now. Man, you're just watching him take it off the glass and go. And just, I mean, he's such a man. And his body, Kay said this last night, he's he's in much better shape. Like, he's trimmed down. He's trimmed down. And, and now, I mean, again, he's got that kind of Chris Weber-type body and skill set. And, you know, all he's got to do is probably extend that range. And he will. Well, I almost like, I, I'd rather he not shoot the three. Because he can make that 18-footer all day, every day. Right. Just, you know what? Go to town with that. You know, you saw that, that, that fadeaway that he had last night. He can, he can overpower you with his, his strength and athleticism. And you know what the most impressive thing to me, Sean, was last night? Defensively. The way he can move his feet. Like, they had him switched on like Severe Wheeler, who is a jet. And he was like, he's staying in front of him. He's making it tough for Wheeler to get by him. So, defensively? He was getting after it on that end, too. And, and a lot of times you don't see that out of star players. Yeah, definitely. I think showing that effort is one of the biggest things about him that he showed yesterday. And this Duke team, speaking of them defensively, they're going to be tough to score on. I mean, Trevor Keels can defend. Wendell Moore can defend. And good luck scoring inside because Paulo's a good defender. But Mark Williams and Theo John, there might not be a better starter and bench combination of big men in the country than that because Mark Williams can block shots. He's pretty athletic. And Theo John, I mean, that's what he did at Marquette. You couldn't score on him. Nobody's going to be able to score on him at Duke. I mean, that is a very dangerous duo. And part of why I feel like Duke might have ended up being a little underrated, like this is a legitimate national title contender. Which is crazy because I'm telling you, 
who asked me this? I was interviewed somewhere yesterday, right before the game, and they asked me that. They're like, all right, this Duke team, do they have a chance to cut down the nets and win it all? And I just laughed. I laughed. I was like, no, I don't think so. I, I don't – no chance. And I went through it. I said, well, they haven't won an ACC regular season title since 2010. They haven't been to a Final Four since 2015. I don't think Paolo is going to be able to do this by himself. Well, you know what? He doesn't need to do it by himself because he's no. got a dude named Trevor Keels with him. And, and Wendell Moore's a good player, right? right. He's, he may not be a star, but he's probably perfect for them. Mark Williams, Theo John, and they're just, I'm telling you, you look at them, they are physically imposing Randolph. I got two concerns with them, though. Yep. Of the four starters outside of Mark Williams, and we talked about this last week, all four played over 30 minutes. Their yeah. bench concerns yeah. me. Yeah. Their bench concerns me. Well, A.J. Griffin, it's so funny. So I don't mean to interrupt you, but in no. the post game, Kay probably mentioned A.J. Griffin like four times. Four times. And I'm like, he played 11 minutes. Like, he didn't really do much. He, he's a freshman, another highly touted freshman, and he had been hurt all preseason. So he's yeah. only practiced for like 10 days. And I'm telling you, Kay made it a point of saying it three or four times how impressed he was. And, and I'm looking around. I'm like, all right, my wheels are, are turning here. Why? Why is he saying it over and over and over? And, and I think it may be because – you know, these other freshmen are getting all this attention and he knows maybe AJ Griffin can be that third guy. And he's not that far off from these two studs. I don't, I don't know. AJ is, he's good. You know, his dad coaches in the NBA, he's growing up around the game. I mean, he's, he's a talented kid, but again, I, that's, he'll probably get the Mark Williams minutes when he comes out. Right. Because we talked about it. he's not, he's not going to play more than 15 to 20 minutes a night. Yeah. And so he'll fit into that, but I still think the other guys, that and three-point shooting. I mean, we say what yeah. we won. I mean, no they doubt. were one for 13 last yeah. night. That's not one of those Moore's game. You know, if if, ben Curry, if, if, if if Paulo's shooting threes, he's doing you a favor. Like, I'm, I'm living with that because I don't want him doing anything else. Yeah, no, Jeremy, no doubt. Jeremy Roach is, what, 31% a year ago? That's not what he does. So it puts a ton of pressure on Trevor. Is Trevor going to be able to carry the load? And that's that's too much just on the perimeter. He's a physical guy getting to the paint. They don't need to shoot a ton of threes because they can get to the rim at will, but they're going to need to shoot some. No, that's a great point. Great point is, you know, point guard play was a big worry of mine going in because Roach, you know, he'll be better this year, obviously. He missed right. his senior year with the, the, the knee injury. So, you know, last year is a pandemic year. I, I get all that. He's going to be better this year, but is he the answer? And can he be the – now I just feel like, okay, you can play Roach with Keels, and, and it takes some of the pressure off Jeremy Roach, right? Keels can – again, he's just a playmaking guard. That's what he is. Call him whatever you want, but he's a playmaking guard. Paulo can make some plays off the bounce too. So it's not so important you have a setup point guard, but you're right. If you don't have perimeter shooting, I don't care how good you are, you're going to have that one night. Right. In the NCAA tournament where you're going to shoot like you did last night, one for 13, whatever it was. And, yeah, Ty Ty Washington's not going to have the night he had last right. night, and, and you're not going to win. Um, Sean, Duke or Kansas, who are you taking? Who are you taking? Man, that's such a tough question. I mean, <laughs> you look at what Kansas did. Ochai was awesome. 
Remy Martin was very impressive to me, too, because he took zero shots in the first half. Oh, if you watched him play in the Pac-12, yeah. you would be surprised that he didn't take a shot in the first half because he was ready to chuck it up from 30 feet whenever at Arizona State. But that's kind of the style they play. They let their guards kind of play how they want. They take a lot of threes. That's what they do. And I think he's really ready to be more of a winning player than he was at Arizona State. And maybe that's just you know what his role was at Arizona State. I think he's ready to be... Uh, playmaking point guard because he's really fast. He can create shots for others just by driving to the basket and then attracting uh, attention. He can make a lot of plays off the bounce too for himself. He's really good in the mid-range. He does a lot of things really well, and I think he was impressive. And David McCormick down low is really good too. DeWan Harris is a good playmaker. I'm going Kansas, but it's close. I think overall Kansas is a little bit better, more experienced. And uh, one thing with Kansas is Joseph Yesifu played six minutes. He wasn't even really in the rotation. I know. That's kind of crazy. They didn't have Jalen Wilson. I agree. Say, wait, yeah, Jalen Wilson gets back. Yeah, that's true. That's the crazy yeah. thing. So, so Kansas was that good. And even Bill said, you know, as he's walking, um, we're walking from, from the media to the locker room after the game. And he even said, he's like, listen, Ochai was great, but we didn't get Christian Brown was, you know, he didn't make shots. Like a lot of their dudes, they didn't have Jalen Wilson. So they're deep. They're deep. Um, Randolph, you're you're an ACC guy. Are you going with uh, your Duke Blue Devils there? Or are you no, going with I, Kansas? I'm, I'm going to go with Kansas for yeah. what we're talking about. I think they're bitch. I think the difference is oh. Kansas is going to be able to bring their freshmen along slow. Yeah. Whereas that Duke's freshmen, as talented as they are, they're going to have to carry them. And like we talked about, I just don't think there's enough perimeter shooting consistently to take the pressure off those guys. That, and and because someone's going to scheme Duke and say, "Hey, we're going to live with this. We're just going to pack it in and say." If you beat us shooting jump shots, then good luck. Someone's going to do it eventually. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm kind of with you. The, the kid Pettiford is going to be a star. I mean, he is big, strong, quick, fearless. Like, I look at him and I like, you see some of like Sharon Collins. You see some of Frank Mason. You see some of, of, of you know, Graham. Like, they just, they got some players. They got some – Zach Clements was good last night for a stretch, not a long one, but showed some toughness, can make it three out there. So, um, I, I like this team. Again, I don't know if they have a first-round pick, although certainly the way Ochai played last night, you would say he's a first-round pick. But they got a, a lot of really good players. And, and I'm with you. We get carried away uh, on right. Champions Classic, right, so quickly. We, we overreact. And I've done it. I've done it. And now – as I've gotten older and covered enough of these, I find myself, I get back to the hotel room and I like take a breath and I'm like, all right, Duke's really good. They, they were great tonight, but like, I need to see more of Trevor. Right. Keels. I need to see more of, of some of these other guys and, and Kentucky. That's not Ty Ty Washington. That's not, that was Ty Ty who struggled early and then started pressing and then it got in his head. Um, but he's going to be much better. All right. So who, I guess what's your your biggest concern? What what was your, you know, the the team now that you're just worried about, and, and why? Is it Kentucky? Just because you know Ty Ty, you know, wasn't that good. And for me, I, I have confidence in Ty Ty Washington that he's going to be really good. But I, I think Michigan State's the one that you look at and you're just like, I, listen, we love Tom Izzo. We all respect the hell out of Tom Izzo. How can you not? But you look at that team up and down the roster and, and you're searching for a star and, and you can't find it. No. Yeah, AJ, I agree. AJ Hogan did play well. 
He did. I thought he I thought he came in and gave him a lift. But what we talked about this the last show as well. I think the point guard play for Kentucky and Michigan State is concerning. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I think that's a high concern. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Willer is is is, is a really good player. He's a jet. But he averaged four turnovers a game last year and then came in. He's averaged over four a year ago and had seven again last night. That's tough for a guy who doesn't shoot it great. So at Michigan State, uh, it's the same thing, the point guard play. I mean, it's, it's yeah. going to be A.J. You know, h- how is that going to work? I mean, what's the dynamics of that lineup and that point guard spot? I mean, that, that's going to be vital. All right, before we, uh, we we hit your answer, Sean, a little bit, we'll talk about Kentucky and, and pick up where we left off. But we've, we've got another guest, and it is a guy who um, coached his first game last night, his first game as a head coach at Northern Illinois and pulled off the win. And he pulled off – it's just not like an ordinary win. I mean, this is a by-game win in Seattle against a Pac-12 team. Uh, we now welcome in Northern Illinois head coach, Rashawn Berna. And uh, Berna, you there? All right, we're trying to – we'll try to pull him in now um, and and hopefully get to uh, to ask him a couple of questions and uh, see how Berna's doing. I think he's on the road, so uh, still on one of those uh, road trips of trying to get as much money as they can for the program, right? You play as many buy games as you can this time of year. And for those that don't know what a buy game is, it's basically you're a sacrificial lamb to try to make as much money as you can. And it's going to be, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood. I don't know what it is this year. Last year it came down to like 65 to 85, but normally what is it ran off somewhere in the 80 to hundred. Yeah. It's about 85 usually depending on, you know, you know, most of the time the others that come with hotels and meals or whatever, you kind of negotiate all that. Yeah. It's, it's listen, normally you're doing it. uh, You're doing it for the money. um, But if you can get a win, it's like the greatest thing ever. And uh, we will, I think Berno's trying to make sure his, his Wi-Fi. I hope they put him up somewhere. I think they're playing, they're in Bloomington at Indiana. So, you know, you think they put him up at a, you know, courtyard, something nice there, and they got good Wi-Fi, but maybe they threw him at the Holiday Inn Express. I don't know. I don't know where they threw him. You know, them Hooser Hooser fans might have did something to him, too. They might have cut the (laughs) Wi-Fi or something. They might have. Look at him. He's running around his hotel room right now trying to find (laughs) out a good spot. There he is. Berno, can can you hear us? Berno. What's up, brother? How are you? Congrats. Oh, thank you. We were saying, you know, you were having trouble uh, hooking up your, your, your Wi-Fi there. Did they put you at the Holiday Inn Express or, or the Courtyard? We're at the Spring Hill Suites. Spring Hill Suites. All right, that's not bad. That's okay. A little bit Congrats different. on the win last night. So your, your, first, your first game, you're coaching. And I said, you know, basically you're a sacrificial lamb, right? I mean, you are. You go in. I don't know how much money you made, 85, 90, whatever it is, but you're in there, you're coaching against Washington, the Pac-12, and you're just hoping probably to keep it within, I don't know, single digits? Uh, it's just striking distance. We wanted to – the goal was just to compete, right? You don't want to be embarrassed on, on television, yeah. right? You want, you want the guys to feel good about themselves. Um, but in all honesty, we, we understand that there was low expectations – outside of our locker room. Um, and so 
we had a puncher's chance because we showed up on time. And then, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you, you, these guys are competitors. And, you know, that's something that we talked about all, all, you know, last week leading into the game is just go out and compete. And the pressure's on them to, to blow us out. So, you know, just be within striking distance. And, you know, as the game wore on, they'll get tight and we'll play loose. So that was the mindset. Randolph? Coach, I got to ask you, how in the world do you win a game where you give up 27 offensive rebounds and commit 20 turnovers? Like, how do you win a game like that? Well, the, the, honest, the honest answer is a little bit of luck. Um, but we were 12 for 23 from the three-point line. And the turnovers are, are misleading because, obviously, uh, offensive fouls, we had some, uh, we had four or five of those. And then we had two moving violations out of bounds, which in, a, in my playing career, coaching what? career, the most I've ever seen. Um, so there weren't actual live ball turnovers uh, that led to points. Um, I think if the, the point differential was, I want to say, plus six to them in, in regards to points in transition or off tar- uh, turnovers. So it was a little bit misleading. The offensive rebounds, was, you know, atrocious on our part, but, you know, we were fouling for profit, right? Meaning, you know, they weren't getting two points. You know, Roberts shot majority of the uh, the free throws in which he was going one for two, sometimes 0 for two. So they were coming out empty and we were scoring three, you know, obviously three points to one point with plus two. So that's how it honestly balanced itself out. Yeah, Coach, uh, you were an assistant for Bobby Hurley from 2015 to 2021. He tweeted at you yesterday after the game, but did he text you or anything? Did you guys have a conversation after your first big win? Yeah, to, to be honest, we FaceTime at halftime. <laughs> no, you did not. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. What did he say to you? Just, you know, little pointers here and there. Um, no, no, I want to hear <laughs> – I want to hear the the X-rated version of what Bobby Hurley said to you. No. You, you. You can't repeat that. No, cannot repeat that. Uh, but no, we FaceTime uh, at halftime, and you know, uh, and after the game, he was extremely happy for me uh, in the program. Um, but you know, Bobby's he's a loyalist, man. If you're if you're in his corner, he's going to ride with you one hundred percent. So uh, he's he's my obviously best friend in the business, best friend off the uh, off the court. Um, so I needed some of his uh, input uh, at half. And then at the end of the game, it was all celebration. Yeah, you got to be careful with Bobby. I remember once, you remember, you remember the time when I was on Sports Center and I took a shot at Arizona State? It was like, you yeah. guys, it was like year one or two. It was two. And I was on with Matt Barry, an Arizona State grad. And I, I'm an Arizona guy. So I took a shot. Oh, my goodness. On the air, Bobby was not happy. Long memory, coach. Yeah. Long, long memory. memory. Long memory. Um, <laughs> so now you get, you know, you get Washington, and now you're uh, rewarded uh, with another one. You go to Bloomington, and you got to play uh, Mike Woodson and the Indiana Hoosiers on, on uh, Friday. So give me kind of what life is like. Life was like for you, you know, beautiful hotels, uh, private planes, you know, charters. All that at Arizona State. Now you're in Northern Illinois. Not quite the same, Rashawn Burno. What is no. life like on the road now? It's um the funny thing is, and this is you know I used it. Knock on wood, we were fortunate to get the win. Uh, we were supposed to fly out at three o'clock 
uh, we didn't fly out to seven o'clock due to a delay. So we didn't get to get to Washington to probably about nine o'clock. These guys were exhausted. So um, it's a grind, you know, obviously a lot of respect for mid-major programs. It, it, uh, you know, the high majors have it a little bit better because they charter and not dealing with, you know, uh, your delays and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, these, it, it's a grind. Um, it's hard, you know, to come from the West coast and come all the way back out to the East coast and then play uh, within 24 to 40 hours later. So, but it's a part of the process. These guys are excited to compete. Um, yet again, there's no expectations for us to do anything, but just show up. Right. And so yet again, our mindset is just, just be close. And then, you know, obviously hopefully they'll get tight and make some mistakes down the stretch. Coach, what, what adjustments? I mean, how many players you added when you took over the roster, right? And then you had what three returning starters, but you added what eight or nine new players. I mean, what, what, what were those players looking like? What, what does that look like, the new roster, compared to what you brought? I mean, from what you're scouting, your recruiting, and what you were looking for? Um, it, it, it was a quick turnaround because I got the job, and then the first thing you got to do is assess the roster, right? Right. And try to figure out, one, who wants to stay and who's hitting that portal. Um, the guys that I did have returning, um, Trendon Hickerson, probably – was by far the best player statistically and also minutes. The rest of my guys all were below eight, seven, five minutes a game. So it wasn't a lot of experience returning. It was guys who were on the roster who obviously didn't have a, a good year, three and 16 uh, last year. So the guys that I brought in, my goal was just to be competitive, just get 13 guys who are just going to compete. Uh, you know, every day I tell my guys, you got to be willing to start over, right? We won last night. Today's a new day. Start from ground zero. Let's get a let's go one and zero. And so these guys all bought in, right? Because when you take over, the first thing they're looking for is all right, who's he kicking off the team, right? Who's who's he bringing in? And so I try to be fair to these guys and and coach them as if I recruited them there. And so that kind of helped with the buy-in. We had a brutal summer. We got up at five every morning uh, throughout the summer. We worked our tail off. They were committed to it. Um, and so this is rewarding because now it gives me a little bit more credibility because now it's just not just a pie in the sky selling them on a dream. We can win games when you go out and actually do it. These guys have a belief a little bit. They'll believe a little bit longer and harder than before. And it's like, man, coach just wants us to play hard because he wants us to play hard. No, we have uh, opportunities to win games now. So it's, it's pretty refreshing to see these guys the next day and just their mindset and how, the you know, when winning and what it does to their own confidence. So it's been pretty uh, unique 24 hours for these guys. Yeah. And you mentioned the missed foul shots by Washington. They shot under 60% from the foul line. When you saw them starting to miss those, was that strategic to get them to the line a little bit more? Or was it just like, you know, if you're going to foul them, it's not the end of the world or what was it like? It was, it was a combination of both. You know, I, I wanted to, especially with Roberts, we wanted to tie, you know, make him make shots. Um, the good, what we couldn't do is let them get 27 offensive rebounds and kick them out for threes. Right. So what I, what I wanted to do, listen, if we can't get it and he gets it, wrap them up, obviously without uh, a flagrant foul, make them earn, you know, those two points. And so, you know, it, the strategy worked out to where the game slowed down, but he was taking a bulk of their shots and not Bay and not Davis and not some of those other talented players that got on that roster. It was a guy who statistically shot in the low fifties for his career. All right, Bernard. Well, listen, uh, make sure your guys have a curfew there because I was in Bloomington <laughs> recently with my daughter 
there's a lot to get into uh, in, in Bloomington, a lot over there. And you're going to be there, you know, tonight, tomorrow night. So just, you know, make sure that they're, uh, you know, you got them on lockdown over there. All right. Bobby Hurley, senior style. We don't leave the, we don't leave the compound. We're good. You, don't, you don't leave the compound? No. <laughs> Lockdown. No. Did, did you learn that at St. Anthony's? Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not leaving the compound, Jeff. You ain't got to worry about that. All right. Well, listen, uh, congrats. You know, if you do decide to retire now, you're one to know. Never <laughs> lost the game. I won't be on the hot seat then. You will not be in the hot seat. You'll be good. You'll be you you'll be in the hall of fame. Yeah, right. That winning percentage. All right. Good luck in Bloomington. Enjoy it. Congrats. And uh, hopefully we'll get you on again this season. Thanks, guys. Be safe. Good luck, coach. There he is, Rashawn Burno, head coach, a rookie head coach of Northern Illinois, and one to know after that upset win against Washington, one of the big upsets uh, yesterday. And we only got a couple minutes, but I want to finish with Virginia because that was the biggest upset yesterday. Navy taking down Tony Bennett and the Virginia Cavaliers. And Tony Bennett has been not good, spectacular in the ACC. Uh, Randolph can attest to this because he's probably lost a few games to Tony (laughs) Bennett recently. I mean, his record in the ACC, you know, you look at it compared to Kay, compared to Roy over the, the last eight years, compared to Bayheim. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. But I don't know when when Jaden Gardner now is your best player, an East Carolina transfer, and I think he's good. Don't get me wrong, but it worries me. How, how concerned are you that this is the year that Tony Bennett finally kind of falls off into middle ground territory in the ACC somewhere in that like six eight range? I'm not buying it till I see. And then, okay. I, and then I'll be concerned. But to your credit, they've been, to, you know, just like you said, they've been the best program in the ACC, I mean, bar none, the last five or so years. And since he's, you know, he's elevated that program. But like you said, is, there's some cause for concern. I don't think offensively they're as good as they've been in the years past. Right. And they're going to struggle to score the basketball. With Beekman and Kia Clark, they're Jets. They're good defenders. But they're, they struggle from the perimeter. So, they're going to have to find a way to manifest points. They're going to be good. They're going to be better defensively. We know that they're going to defend. That's just Tony Bennett's trademark, but they're going to have to even slow the pace down even more. I think in order to keep it at a snail's pace to, to give themselves a chance. Cause I just don't see where the offense is going to come from. I don't either. Other than Gardner, you know, Kihei Clark's great as your point guard. If you've got three or four dudes around him that can make shots. Right. And I, I don't know where they have that. Um, you know, Gardner's a guy that, eventually teams are going to be able to scout that, right. you know, they're going to be able to scout him and, or they just, you give him his 20 and 10 and, and just make sure none of those other guys beat you. But uh, Sean, who needs to step up for this Virginia team? I mean, they got a bunch of guys that honestly, we don't know a whole heck of a lot about. No, I think you have to look at the two international freshmen coming in Tane Murray, who is regarded as a really good shooter coming out of New Zealand and Igor Milicic. Typically, Tony Bennett doesn't play freshman a lot of minutes, but this is one of his least talented rosters in a long time, so you're going to have to adjust probably. Like, I still think they're a tournament team because of how good Tony Bennett is, but the shooting was a big concern for me coming into the season. You have Armand Franklin coming in from Indiana, but look at what you lost. You lost your four best shooters. Trey Murphy's playing with the Pelicans. He's a first-round pick. Sam Hauser's with the Celtics. Jay Huff's with the Lakers. And Tomas Wildetense is playing overseas. Those were four guys 
that shot 40% from deep last season, those are gone. And you didn't replace them with shooters, really, besides Franklin. Jaden Gardner's not a shooter. He never really shot the ball much at East Carolina. They didn't win a whole lot. I think he's a good player. But you're going to let those guys shoot threes. Kihei Clark, he's a fine shooter, but that's not his game. Reese Beekman only shot 24% from deep last year. I just don't know where you go to to get the shooting. I think it's going to have to be a guy like Tane Murray, maybe uh, Cody Statman, who played a little bit of minutes, but he's never played a huge role. But one thing for me was they turned the ball over 14 times. When you play the pace they do, you cannot turn the ball over 14 times and expect to win that game. Yeah, and again, when you have Kihei Clark, you don't expect to turn the ball over 14 times. I mean, Five of them came from Gardner. Yeah, well, again, I'm sure the ball is in his hands a ton. But again, you lose to Navy. Um, that, that is one. Last year, I, I was there when they lost to San Francisco in the bubble. And I said to myself, all right, you know what? Again, this could be a one-off. But you're looking at that team and you're saying, yeah, they can score the ball, but how good are they going to be defensively? Right with Hauser and Huff, and they didn't have a lot of foot speed, and um, they, you know, they just they didn't look the part of a great team. Well, that team compared to this team, at least you knew they could put the ball in the bucket. This, mm-hmm. this team, you don't know they're going to be able to do that. You don't know how they're going to be defensively. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Again, I'm not I'm not writing off Tony Bennett. I'm smarter than that. The dude is a <laughs> Hall of Fame coach. He is one of the elite coaches in college basketball. So we'll see what happens for uh, for Virginia. All right. Well, listen, um, appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, Field of 68 after dark, Randolph Childress, Sean Paul. Uh, make sure, again, every single night we are here from 11 to 12. Every single night, Rob Doster, myself, John Fanna. We got a bunch of other people coming through, the Miller brothers. Uh, they'll be through again, Doug Gottlieb. We get more Randolph, more Sean. Um, it, we're loaded, and, and it's probably the only place you're going to get from start to finish this year college hoops every single night. All the other networks are going to come and go. You know, they're going to get going probably when it matters in February, and March. But uh, we started from day one, and you know what? We'll finish strong at the end uh, in New Orleans. So make sure you come back every night. Thanks, guys.